Hey, so I'm Dimitri. Uh, I am the youth pastor here, if you didn't know that. Um, I am filling in for David today. He's out. He is on vacation, and we're blessing him right now. Um, I think, uh, can, if I stood right here, could y'all see me back there? Raise your hand if you, can, if, you, if you cannot see me, if you can't. Cool. So I can stay here. Awesome. I'm going to do that. Um, but um, I'm going to be in Ephesians 3 this morning. If you could turn with me there. Um, and I promise y'all, you're going to get out pretty early, okay? You're not, I'm not keeping you all day. Um, my kids might think so, but I'm not. Um, I've been in Rocky Mountain for like two months, maybe, maybe two months, and I've uh, been in Richmond for four years. Oh, yeah, Virginia for four years, and, uh, and I, I, I love this place. It's, it's very similar to where I'm from in Mississippi. Um, it's, you guys have been great to me, and I have enjoyed it so much. Um, I actually had a student last week ask me where I worked, uh, and I was like, I work here. And, uh, and he's like, you're here all the time? I'm like, yeah. And he didn't know that. I thought that was hilarious um, and kind of sad. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I need to have a talk. But um, so the title behind me, don't let that freak you out. Uh, that's not a big deal. Um, I think um, I did not grow up in church, not really. I'm from Mississippi, which is the Bible Belt, but I, didn't, I was in and out of church too much to grow up in church. But um, I think my intention this morning is to just cultivate, cultivate affections for Jesus. That, that is my main goal this morning, is for us to go deeper with Jesus. And I think, I honestly think we get really good at this right here. Like, this is really easy to get good at. The, the Sunday, the Sunday night, the Wednesday night, whatever, whatever that might be. This gets easy because it gets routine. It becomes pattern. We have kids. We have jobs. Whatever this is, I want to take this morning, just kind of redirect us to Jesus. I want us to just cultivate passions for Jesus. So um, Ephesians 3, we're going to be Ephesians 3, starting verse 14. Just for the context, we're starting in an an interesting spot, I think. We're starting in, in the middle of this book. And before this point here, there's, there's only one command in, in, in before this point, and that command is to remember, okay? Only one command, and that is very interesting. And I think the, the book of Ephesians starts with an introduction to Christianity that is not what we do, but it's what Christ has done for us, right? And it's nothing that we can accomplish, but it's what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, and that is the gospel, okay? The first big section of Ephesians is the gospel, okay? Um, And then you get to verse 14. Paul begins to pray this prayer that is extremely dramatic. Paul is communicating this way because he's begging God to help us understand something. He's begging God to help us understand something, and I'm going to read this real quickly. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we want to come to you now just asking that you will pour your spirit onto us, God. We want you to be our passion, God. We want to care about you more than anything else, God. Speak to us. We're asking that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And just real quick, it says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every father in heaven and on earth is named. It's kind of like in the Greek, it's like a play on words there. It's very interesting. He's saying, I bow my knees, which Paul is Jewish, and Jewish men don't bow their knees, that that's a big deal. So what he's communicating, that what he's doing right now, that he's bowing for a significant reason. So from every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, guys, according to the riches of his glory. According to the riches of his glory. The richest man in history is a hobo compared to a father. And do not equate the riches of his glory. His glory is infinite. And it goes on and on and on forever. And I've always wondered how the angels stand before the throne Day and night, every second, praising God, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. How do they keep doing? How, do they, how does that not get old? How do they not get tired? I had a college pastor express it this way. I don't, it's not true. <laughs> it's an analogy that kind of works, I think. He, he explained that just imagine the angels bowing before Jesus, like chanting holy, 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 and every, every chant, God, the universe is there, robed in righteousness, and he turns. And they chant, holy, 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 and he turns again. And, and as he's turning, they're seeing a new portion of the God of the galaxies that they had never seen before. Every time he turned to something new. Holy, holy, holy. And I always wonder, how do they keep doing that? It never gets old. I'm not saying that happens, but that's how they do it. Worshiping and praising God, holy, holy, holy is what God Almighty. It never gets old to them. So pray, God, that it does not get old to us, please. So for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So what is Paul saying here? He's, he's praying that God will strengthen us with power. He's praying that God would strengthen us with power. So why is, he, why is he praying that? Why is he praying that? Verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
why do we need to be strengthened? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Paul is praying for strength so that Christ may be at home in you. Paul is praying for strength so that Christ may be at home in you. Paul is praying for strength so that Christ, the very love of, the very love of God itself, will be at home in you. That's what he's praying for. Strength, strengthen and empower your inner being. Guys, I've met wonderful, great, amazing people who serve every capacity of church, who, who show up to every event, but their power of their inner, inner, their inner being is not strengthened. And to be honest, there are people in here that will put me to shame. Just because I am a pastor does not make me any special in here. Just because I have this, this title, just because I'm on staff does not make me a, a super Christian. The, I, me being on staff does not give me extra power here. Walking down this aisle here does not give you any extra power. Being baptized back here does not give you any extra power. You can't, this is not on a shelf at Lifeway. You can't buy this. This is, uh, you can, there, there is no seminary class that, that provides this. I've, I've checked, it's not there. There is to receive this power. You can't chaperone enough events. You can't volunteer enough. But you might ask, but Dimitri does, like we all have the spirit, like the power of the spirit inside of us, right? Yes and no. Yes in the sense that every Christian has the power of the spirit in them, but some of us have more. Some Christians have more. And every, oh, sorry. And what we're seeing here is that Paul, a Jewish man who's bowing before the Father praying, he's begging that God strengthens you by his spirit. He's asking you to get more. Paul is asking you to get more. I'll put that on the screen as spiritual ambition because I want us to get more. I think we get really good at this, and we get really content, we get really satisfied. I don't want that for us. I don't. I don't want you to get comfortable. I want you to keep going. I want you to keep going. So, receiving this power, is it complicated? No. Is it costly? Yes. Is it costly? It is. It is. So, Christian, walk with God. Walk with God. And that's 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 to strengthen and empower your inner being, walk with God. I don't want to make that overly, overly just too simple for you, but this is really important and it's really foundational and it's huge for us, and I don't want you to miss it. And in order for us, to, for in order for us to walk to, to to empower our inner being, we have to walk with God. I've seen so many believers who struggle right here owning their own personal walk. So when I became a Christian at 17. Um, my, I became a Christian at a camp and I went back to this church who I went with um, and they gave me a Bible with my name on it. It was engraved. It was nice. I was excited. Uh, but they didn't teach me to read it. They didn't teach me to walk. They didn't teach me to sing or to pray. None of that. So I had to figure a lot of it out by myself. And I'm, some of you are probably the same way. And for some of that, that's our fault. It's the church's fault. And we're sorry for that. 
So, I, but I don't want to assume that everyone has this figured out. If a walk with God, if a devotional life is, 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 the, is the means that it takes to, to, is to receive power by the Holy Spirit, then I, I, we want to get this right. We want to get this right. My personal advice, I don't, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I wish I could, but I can't. Um, is to make it your own. Do you. Like, do your thing. Whatever works for you, do you. Okay? I, I have received some horrible advice from walking with Jesus. I, I had a guy tell me that when I had my personal prayer time, lay down and do it. No, that's a terrible idea. That's how I go to sleep. I lay down. So I, do, I will not lay down and, and pray in my bed. Not, that's not for me. I had someone tell me that, your quiet, that my quiet time must be the first thing I do when I wake up. It's not true. I'm not a morning person, so it needs to be after breakfast. That's uh, not my thing. Uh, so there are, make it yours. Like your walk with God is yours. Make it yours. Do you. Um, another one is worship daily. Worship daily. I, I, I know this is kind of weird, but just track with me here. I think, I think some of us struggle with corporate worship because we don't worship Monday through Saturday. Some of us struggle with corporate worship, this right here, because we neglect private worship Monday through Saturday. For me, and this is me, you can steal it, this is just me, but every morning, because I'm not a morning person, I have to sing myself awake. It sounds horrible, but I do it, right? It's, it's my track list, it's my Hill song, my Chris Tomlin, whoever it might be, I'm worshiping Jesus just to wake myself up. And that's what I do. So make your walk your own, right? So, and John Piper has a quote here that I want to mention. Singing to God isn't just a nice little emotional trip to spice up the worship service. It's an attack against sin and Satan. So your private worship is necessary, Christian. It is necessary. Whatever that looks like for you, most people, it's a drive to work, and I, I recommend that. That's what you do. Do that. But a walk with God, if that is the means of how we receive power, then we got to get this right. Got to get it right. Study, memorize, meditate on Scripture. And there are so many things that I want to say about that, uh, but we don't have time. I feel like that right there could be a sermon itself, uh, but we can't. Um, for, for this right here, I had to get help. I had to get help. And I, if, if this is not your thing, please get help. Come see us. Come see. There are plenty of people. Find, if you are a Christian who was good at this, find someone who was not good at this. Okay? Mark Dever has a quote in, his, in, in, in a book that he says that, if, that if, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not helping others know Jesus, I doubt you're a Christian. So find someone who is not good at what you're good at and help them be good at that. There are intimacy with Jesus at stake here, right? There's a, a, a resource here. It's called How to Study the Bible for Women by Jen Wilkin. It's, guys, it says for women, but it's the best resource I've ever read on studying the Bible, okay? Look at me, okay? All right? It's the best. I'm telling you, it mentions girls twice, okay? That's, it's cool. It's cool. But it, it's the best thing. Um, the last two, devote time to prayer. Um, there's a book by Donald Whitney um, on there that is uh, really good. Uh, and live in Christian community. 
truth. Those are a few things, just a few things that really ignite a, what it means to have a devotional life. And there, there are so many more things I could have mentioned here. But if these, like I said, if this is the means of how we receive power from Jesus, then we have to get this right. We have to. If you're not in a community group, get in one, please, Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings, whatever that looks like. Find one. Find great, godly people who will pour into you. Because I don't want you to stay the same. I don't, I don't want you to be good at church. I don't want you to be good at coming here. Keep going, please. Guys, as we, as we daily walk with God pursuing sweet intimacy with Jesus, the God of the universe keeps coming, and he keeps coming, and he keeps coming. Now, that's why you need power to endure. That's why God is trying to strengthen you, to you so, so you can endure the power that God is bringing to you. The more, as the years go by, the bigger God gets to you, and the more you receive power from God, so God is strengthening you as you do that. Paul is praying for strength that you can contain Christ's love for you. Paul is praying for strength so that you can, so, so that you can contain Christ's love for you. Paul is asking God to give strength so that more and more of Christ can dwell personally in you. And this is a sad reality, but I have to say it. And I, I think this might be so for some of us in a room this size. For some of us, little strength is needed because not much God is present. For some of us, little strength is needed because not much God is present. Christian, I don't want that to be true of you. I don't. I don't want that to be your story. And the beautiful thing of the gospel is it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, Christians do not settle. Do not settle in your pursuits. Have ambition in your walk. The secret to strengthen your inner being is to desire to want from Jesus more. The secret to strengthening your inner being is just a desire to want to know Jesus more. That does not sound deep. It is not, it's not a, a pretty quote, but it's so true. It's so true. Ephesians 3.17 Know the depths of Christ's love so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Being rooted and grounded in love. Be rooted and grounded in love. Paul is still on his knees, remember? Okay. Paul is still on his knees. A Jewish man is still on his knees because he is begging you to send your roots deep into God's love. When you have the roots that are deep, the surface is strong, right? When your roots go deep, the surface is strong. Paul is begging for your roots to be deep in the unchanging love of Christ. Let your roots of your spiritual life be deep in the unchanging love of Christ. Paul is praying that we are rooted. Paul is praying that what we are rooted in is Christ's love. Christian, you are not rooted and grounded in your grip of God. 
you are not rooted and grounded in your, in your grip of God. You are rooted and grounded in God's love and grip for you. You're not holding on to God here. He's holding on to you. So my question is, where are your roots? Where are they? Are they in a person? Are they in uh, a spouse? Are they in a, this church? This, this is, which, would, which would be weird, I think. Um, are they in uh, your works? Because mine have been there. My roots have gone into my works. And the thing about that is that when I fail, where am I now? Plant your roots in the gospel. The very roots of your faith are deeply rooted in what your God has accomplished for you. Listen to me. The very roots of your faith are deeply rooted in the gospel, and that is what your God has accomplished for you, not what you accomplish your God. That is love. That is being rooted in love. Rooted and grounded in love. With all the saints, church, Paul says here, Paul is, once again, he's on his knees asking that we may know the full dimensions of Christ Jesus. He says here, being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Paul is asking the father of all fathers to reveal the love of God to us. And he's not asking for it for, for individuals. He's asking the saints. He's asking on behalf of the church, God, will you reveal the, all the dimensions of your love to us? And that should comfort us. He's asking on behalf of a church like ours, God, reveal your love on behalf of us. And the beautiful thing is that God's love is long. God's love stretches across all of humanity, nations, tribes, tongues, political spectrums, and, and races, and, and cultures, and whatever it looks like. God's love is long. It wraps around all of it. God's love is deep. It's deep enough to dig you out of whatever hole you have put yourself in. So deep that it he can pick you up, and he can clean you, and he can wash you, and he can make you new, which puts you, which puts his love high, because you become an heir of his, and he seats you at the right hand next to him. He puts you in the heavenly places. His love is long, it is deep, and it is high. It is high. And this floors me. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That surpasses knowledge. That does not make sense. Like how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? Right? I don't understand that. But I think it is, when I first read it, I didn't. But I think it is so beautiful. Like, how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? I love that he says that, because you can't educate yourself on God's love. 
You can't. You can't know enough information to understand God's love. It's not how that works. Because you can't know it. You can't. God's love surpasses being known. Let that wrap let that wrap in your brain that God's love cannot be fully known. It cannot be, which, which is, I think, why Paul is bowing while he's, while he's saying this, because he knows that his words are not enough. He knows that what he says is not enough, because he cannot make you understand it. He can't. Because Christ's love in its four dimensions, it goes beyond all comprehension. It goes beyond all language and all knowledge. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it is that powerful. God, let them know what is unknowable. Because knowledge fails to communicate your love. God's Paul is painting a non-optional version of Christianity where your affections matter. Your affections, your passion, it matters. It's all wrapped in here together. God is not asking for you to be a super Christian. He's asking for you to be in love. He's asking for you to be obsessed. He is. Christian, how much is Christ dwelling in your hearts this morning? How much is Christ dwelling in your hearts? How much is distraction? Is Christ the chief, the chief uh, ambition of your life? Or is it health? Or is it control? Like, what is that? Last point. Infinite and boundless confidence. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who is able. Here is where Paul, he's still on his knees, guys. This Jewish man is still on his knees. He's begging, he's pleading that if you don't get anything else, he didn't say, he didn't give one command throughout the entire first three chapters. And then he gets here and he, he's, he's begging, he's pleading, please get this. He concludes his prayer where he acknowledges the mightiness of God to accomplish absolutely anything by his own power through the church, through the church. He's talking through the church, anything that we can ask or think. We see two things in seven verses. Two things. Paul, in his prayer, is convincing us of God's love for the church and God's power through the church. God, in his love, Paul is convincing us of God's love for the church, like for us, for you, and eventually for us corporately. God is convincing you that he loves you. And God is convincing God's power, well, well, God's love for the church and God's power through the church. God's love for us and God's power through us, okay? You got to hold those two things up at one time. God is convincing that he loves you. He's convincing you that he is mighty and powerful through you. And so when you put those two things together, you get mission. Because out of the overflow of your intimacy with Jesus, 
outcomes mission. Outcomes mission. When we at RMBC are convinced God's love for us is the mission of God will genuinely flow through us with infinite and boundless confidence between because to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. This is not a message about mission. This is about our intimacy with Jesus. And out of our intimacy with Jesus flows mission. Guys, if we don't get intimacy with Jesus right, if we don't get, if we don't receive the power of Jesus right, then nothing we do out there matters. I don't care how many homeless people you serve out there or what you do out there, if we don't get this in here right, if you don't get your personal relationship, with, if your affections are not just passionate for the Father, it doesn't matter. Let's be honest. I, I, I was in San Francisco a couple years ago, and there were um, just a ton of atheists doing amazing things for homeless people. They were doing amazing things for the inner city. Now, what separates us from them is that we have something to offer that is eternal. We have our intimacy with Jesus to offer to a broken and dark world. Now, we want to offer it to them. We want that. Christians, we will never accomplish great things for God if we don't get this right. If our chief affections and if our passions, if our motivations are not rooted in how I want to know Jesus for the rest of my life, then nothing we do will matter. Nothing. So I, this, my prayer to you is that, uh, is that your affections are stirred. I, I want you to, to know and I want you to hear that you have a God who loves you deeply. You have a, and he proved it. You have a... You have a, a, a the God of all eternity wrapped himself in flesh and stepped into history to live a life that you could not live and to die a death that you deserved. The punishment that you deserved, he took it and put it upon himself and it killed him. The darkness, your, your darkness killed him. And let that be the fuel of your life. Let that be the passion of your life. That you have a God who loves you so much that he gave everything so that you can know him. Everything. So I pray, it is my prayer that our ambition is to see your face, Jesus. It is my prayer that our walk with you is, is, uh, is the chief concern. I'm going to pray, and whoever, I'm not sure who's singing today, but I think I was more nervous about the announcements than I was in the sermon. Um, but I'm going to pray for us. And I will, who's, okay, I'll pray for us. And uh, if Fred can make his way up, and uh, we'll dismiss here soon. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we are here asking you to do what we cannot, Father. Father, we want to know you deeper than we've ever known you. Father, we don't want to, we don't want to settle in our pursuit, Father. 
is we have a heavenly Father who loves us greatly. Father, let us receive power. Strengthen our, strengthen our hearts, Father. So the more we know you, the more of you we can carry, God. Father, we have the very love of God inside of us, Father. And we thank you so much for that. And I just pray for us that if there is someone here who does not know you, Father, I pray that they can talk to me or whoever else they need to talk to, God. I pray that they understand that, that you love them and you've given everything for them. God, uh, we thank you. And I love, I, love, I love these people. We love you and we pray. Amen.